0: to continue our series on the Holy Spirit called, Spirit Come Down. And uh, I want to talk about misunderstandings. Who here has ever been misunderstood at some stage in their life? Not always a great experience. As some of you know, uh, my thumb, I split my thumb open probably about four or five weeks ago. I needed to get stitches, the stitches didn't take, they got infected, they had to be cut out and so it's been this journey and uh, last week, I uh, it was still red and there was a bit of, I know this is TMI, too much information, but there was a little bit of pus coming out and so I was kind of observing that and, and then my friend uh, Di uh, shared an encouraging story of something that she had seen on TV where someone... Uh, they left their finger too far and it got infected and their whole arm had to get cut off. (laughs) So that was very encouraging. And so I called the doctor and uh, because I'd had some troubles, I'd been on antibiotics, I called the doctor uh, or called the doctor's uh, surgery, the doctor's rooms, the medical center to make an appointment. And uh, as you know, our society, we are on high alert in terms of covid who knows, we're on high alert. A lot of our medical system is geared towards COVID. So I rang up and uh, I was trying to get an appointment last minute. So I was talking to this receptionist and I said, I'd, I'd like to see a doctor. And she said, okay, you know, have you had any COVID symptoms? So any fever or, you know, runny nose and something. And I said to her, no, no it's for my thumb. I want to see a doctor for my thumb. And she said to me, has your thumb had any COVID symptoms? (laughs) Oh, that's what I thought. And then we had this kind of little awkward back and forth. And then she said, I thought you meant son. You wanted to see uh, the doctor for your son. This is a misunderstanding. Now, today, we're going to be talking in our series about a different kind of misunderstanding, misunderstanding spiritual things, and it's very common, and we're going to talk a lot about this, and I'm going to open with this uh, passage of Scripture from 1 Corinthians 12 verses 1, and this is the Apostle Paul, he's responding to uh, the... The people in Corinth. Excuse me, one second. Sorry about that. <laughs> he's responding to the people in Corinth, and uh, that's all right. You can talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> and he's saying, he says this. There's a question that we we get part of the conversation, and there's a question, and the the response from the apostle Paul is talking to the, the people in the Corinthians church, now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special ability the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. So, when he's talking about this word, spiritual uh, abilities, special abilities, that could be translated spiritual things, spiritual gifts, all adequately translated in that way. And He says, we don't want to misunderstand this, or be uninformed, or be ignorant. And so, we're going to spend a little bit of time this morning clearing up some misunderstandings that people have about the spiritual life, about Christianity. What does it mean to live a spirit-full and a spirit-filled life? And this is really, really important. And the first thing that I want to say is this, is that Christianity is unavoidably spiritual. Christianity is unavoidably spiritual. Now, you might say that that's a funny thing to say, but often what we try and do, or sometimes we try and step around some of the the spiritual aspects, we kind of circuit. Circle around them or minimize them, and sometimes what we have a tendency to do, different people at different times, is make Christianity about moral teachings or values. And definitely, morality and values are really important, and they're an important part of Christianity. Sometimes we make it about the emotional feelings that we have, the feelings of peace, and definitely, I would say that. Christianity will, will touch your emotions. You can come into a room like this and you can feel the presence of God and that can have a positive effect. We can even say that sometimes we can make Christianity about kind of relational and behavioural things. So we can say, okay, it's about relationships. It's about, you know, the, the teachings of Jesus that says we love our neighbour. And that those things are good. But by nature, they are not Christianity. And I want to say that Christianity is unavoidably and inherently spiritual. And we need to keep coming back to this point. At the centerpiece of Christianity is not even just the teachings of Jesus or the morals of Jesus, but at the centerpiece of Christianity is the death of and resurrection the life death and resurrection of Jesus Christ its spiritual power it's the power to conquer death it's the power for new life and we need to understand this we need to keep coming back to this point yes it does affect our emotions yes it does affect our behavior yes it is a good model for being a good citizen but at the very very center of christianity at the heart of christianity is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the apostle paul even later in corinthians in 1 corinthians 15 he talks about this he says look if jesus didn't rise from the dead we christians were to be pitied we're pitiful we're powerless he says my preaching is useless if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, if there is no such thing as resurrection power, my preaching is useless, your faith, my faith is useless. Not only that, but he says it's fake news. We are false teachers. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, if there is no such thing as resurrection power or resurrection life, we are pitiful And pitiless. And so we need to keep coming back to this fact, and we need to be aware that if we avoid spirituality in our Christian faith, then there is a possibility, and the first possibility that can happen is this possibility the possibility of powerless love. If we live, if we attempt to have a Christianity that is unspiritual, or misunderstand spiritual things, we can have this possibility of powerless love. This means we have no power beyond ourselves. No love beyond our own. No eternity, no power to change anything. And no help. So here's the thing. All you've got in your life is just you. There's no beginning. There's no end to the time that you have. There's no eternity. This is what it means to have powerless love. This is the first possibility. The second thing that you need to know about Christianity and the spirit for life is that Christianity is unusually powerful. And again, this is not something that we always think about. This is not always our starting point. We're usually thinking that it's moral, that it's behavioural, that it's relational, that it's physiological. But Christianity is unusually powerful. And here's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 4, he talks about spiritual gifts. Now, what makes a gift a gift? If you were to work for something... So say Dave runs a great business on the south side. Say I was to work for him for a week and I did some great work and he was really happy with that. And after a week, he said, here is your gift that I've decided to give to him, give to me. That is not a gift, that is a wage. Okay, a gift is something that is given freely. It's given freely. And so these spiritual things, these special abilities are given freely by God. He says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them. Different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To the one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To the same person. To another, the same Spirit gives the message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to one another, and to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given ability to speak in unknown languages, while one is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, did you know this about yourself as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, that the Spirit of God has actually given you a gift? And these list of things, these are unusually powerful things. We have to keep coming back to the spiritual power and the spiritual nature of what it means to follow Jesus. These things are powerful. Did you know this about yourself? Did you know that you have the resurrection life and power of Jesus? Did you know it? Did you know that God has given you gifts? Do you know that God has graced you? You have not deserved it. It is undeserved favor. Did you know this about yourself? christianity is unusually powerful and it says one of the things that paul says is for us to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts what does this mean the word picture in paul's writing is like a pot that's simmering with water on a stove that's what it means to be bubbling up here's my question to you and me as spiritual beings are you bubbling Are you recognizing the gift, the power, this unusual power that God has placed within you? Now, I know if you hang around, if you talked to people, we've seen some miracles happen in this church, people getting healed of all kinds of different stuff. And I want to share a story that happened a couple of years ago now. And there was a lady who attended a church that I was pastoring in. Uh, She now lives... In another part of Brisbane, over in Ipswich, she's involved in a church there. And uh, we saw a miracle in her life and I asked her for permission to share it. Her name is Ange. Uh, We've got this photo up here. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. So Ange grew up in church and in Sunday school and youth group until she was about 17 years old. And then she... In her words, these are her words, she lost sight of what was right and wrong and began looking for security in comfort in all the wrong places. So she had a series of unhealthy and abusive relationships. There was substance abuse, confusion, and for many years she suffered terrible headaches and had restricted movement of her left shoulder. For years she saw doctors, specialists, healers, natural therapists for answers, And it was an unexplained illness, misdiagnosed and mistreated. Eventually, it was diagnosed as severe damage that had happened years ago in the C6 to C7 spinal cord, vertebra. I don't know all the details about that. And it was worn away and it was somewhat uh, dislodged, pressing into the spinal cord. So she had an immediate spinal surgery which was done through the throat. So they opened up the throat and they put a titanium plate, which you can see, in there. And this is what happening. As a result of that, uh, the surgery was a success, but she was told that she would never move her hand again and there was too much damage. So her hand was permanently frozen like this, which meant that she couldn't tie her shoelaces, it couldn't brush her teeth, just everyday living was difficult. So she was invited by some friends and started attending church. And after church one day, I had the opportunity to pray for her with her friend for healing for her hand. And we prayed for about forty-five minutes. Uh, there is no—that's not a magic number. But just in that case, we prayed and we said, "Can you? Is there any change?" And I wasn't like looking for her to like fake it. I was just like, you know, is because if God, you know, there's a difference between being healed and not healed, and I can't heal anybody. But slowly, by slowly, over forty-five minutes, she started to get some minor movement in her hand some minor movement and then we just prayed for her after 45 minutes kind of locking up and she went home and over the next 24 hours she received total movement in her hand by the grace of God and she said she began regaining control and movement of wrist And was able to extend her fingers for the first time in seven months. She said, And believe me, I had tried and tried and never stopped sending signals to my brain from my hand. But this overnight healing was something else. The medical profession is astounded. Not always willing to acknowledge the power of prayer. But nonetheless, they say it's a miracle and defies what they expected. For me... This was a very distinct turning point. And this is important. Her healing was not just a physical healing, but a healing from a feeling of despair and hopelessness. She said that was a very long story, so I'll end with two words. Healing happens. So I don't know what your experience is with spiritual things, with the supernatural power of God. And the purpose of this story is not to say, oh, wow, Andrew, as a pastor, as a quote-unquote spiritual professional, is the one to bring healings and miracles. That's not the point. The point is that you, you, you being you, have power. You being you have spiritual power. You being you have spiritual gifts. And we've got to understand and awaken ourselves to the spiritual nature, the powerful, spiritual, anointed, resurrection, new life that God has created me and is, importantly, He has created you to carry. He has created you. And I'll tell you a little bit in just a second why everyone is included in this. So that may have surprised you you may have never heard a story like that maybe that's normal maybe you've seen that in life but here's another surprising thing about this passage and what was going on in this church in that some of the people that paul was talking about in this church were dysfunctional and they were using the gifts in a different way than they were intended now, there's a couple of things that we will say about this. We'll say a whole bunch of different things about this. But one of the things is, you don't have to be perfect to operate in the spiritual gifts. And unfortunately, it is possible to misuse the spiritual gifts. Just like it's impossible to use misuse any gift that you're given. You could be given a car, you could go and drive it. At 180 kilometers an hour, which would be very fun for a short amount of time, and then you would get uh, then you would get caught, and uh, all kinds of bad things would happen. All right, but it is possible to misuse these things, and in a way, it has to be that way in some respect, because none of us are perfect within ourselves. It's not the way it's supposed to be, and we'll unpack this. So in this scripture, the Apostle Paul was speaking to a church in the city of Corinth. And so this was an aspirational and influential city. It was a very individualistic culture. It was a culture where you could get rich quick. It was a culture a lot about show. It was a diverse city, a melting pot of culture, and religion, and this impacted a lot of beliefs. So, people, as I said, it was individualistic. They lived for social and economic advancement. Does that sound a little bit like our society? We live for social and economic advancement. We want to get ahead, okay? They lived for success, and the idea of success was achieving personal desires. This is very much like our culture. If I can get insert the blank, then I will be or I will get. Now, some people, not all, we don't know exactly what was going on. We've got one half of the conversation here. But in this culture, they were trying to force fit Christianity into their culture, not the other way around. So they were kind of making Christianity fit into the way that they were living. And Paul is addressing this, and he's speaking to this. And there were all kinds of problems. Okay, there was infighting, uh, there was mixing Christianity with other religions, and even uh, one time there was uh, sexual immorality, which people were celebrating within the church, and it wasn't good. And here was one of the key problems, is they were using the spiritual gifts in the same way that their culture was telling them to achieve success. They were using spiritual gifts for their own success. This is a challenge in the church, is when we try and use spiritual things for our own platform, to build our own reputation, to build our own success. And that's not the intention. The intention is to build the church, that everything that I have, I want to build into you. I want to see you succeed, and I want to see, see us be successful in reaching more people and inviting them into this family table, making room for more. So I hope you're still with me, because we're going to the second possibility. And then the first possibility was powerless love, but the second possibility which is what we see here, which is what Paul was speaking to, is loveless power. This is what was going on here. There was loveless power. So Paul, Paul didn't say in this dysfunctional church, he didn't say, let me tell you about the spiritual gifts. He's saying, let me talk about the spiritual gifts which you are already using and experiencing. But you're doing them in a way that is not right. You're doing them in a way that's trying to mirror the culture of, of the day and not in a way that mirrors the kingdom of God and the example of Jesus. So the second possibility of loveless power, this is the challenge of the Corinthian church. They had spiritual gifts, but they're using them for individual benefit, individuality. They're not using them to build the church. They're posturing. They're puffing themselves up. And these two things, loveless power and powerless love, are the imitations. They are the fake news of Christianity. They are, these are the things that pretend that they are real, but they are not. These are the knockoffs. I don't know about you, your experience in travel, but I grew up in Thailand, in Bangkok, in the um, 80s and 90s, like knockoff paradise, okay? Or every kind of uh, counterfeit or uh, like knockoff that you wanted of fashion or anything like that. And uh, so that was uh, in Asia, in Thailand, I remember in 1998, 1999, I went to China. And there was a whole bunch of knockoff stuff there. I went with uh, on a missions trip with a group of uh, people from my youth and young adults in my church in Sydney. And I remember... Uh, they were, at that time, Calvin Klein underwear was like the big thing, all right? And so they were particular. They wanted to go and get some uh, Calvin Klein underwear. And so they went to the markets and they found them and they got all these pairs. that were like cheap as. And they got them home. But little did they notice that they hadn't bought uh, Calvin Klein underwear. They had bought another brand, that they didn't know, called Gloven Calvin's. So they got home with these huge stockpile of Gloven Calvin underwear. They were knockoffs, they were imitations, they were pretenders. And for us, if we're gonna embrace and not misunderstand the power of God at life, at work in the life of believer, we need to understand this is that loveless power and powerless love are imitators. They are pretenders. And so we've seen them. we probably experienced, we probably lived them out in some way. But we need to recognize that this is not God's plan, and we need to reject the imitations and the pretenders and the pretense, and we need to embrace the real thing, and this is what we're going to talk about. Loveless power does three things. The first thing that loveless power does is it points out failure without offering to help. It points out failure without offering help. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about the difference between the pointed finger and the helping hand? If you have fallen and you need, uh, and you need some help to get up, me telling you that you've fallen is not going to be helpful. Me extending my hand. I assume that you've made a mistake, but I'm saying I'm here to help you. This is what loveless power does. It points out failure without offering to help. The second thing is that it fosters competitiveness and individuality. And this is one thing that we need to guard against in the church. Competitiveness and individuality. We are not here to compete with one another. There is such a big job to do and so much to be done that there is room and there's space for everyone, and we need to guard that. And the third thing is, uh, so competitive individuality says that for me to win, you have to lose, and sometimes we import that into the church. The third thing Loveless Power does is leave you confused, because here's what you do you try and put the knockoff into practice, you try and implement a Christianity without spiritual power, and what happens? It doesn't work. And then when it doesn't work, you go, Well, Christianity is not what it's cracked up to be. Or you see someone move in spiritual things, but there's no love, you can tell, you can feel it, and you're like, That's not right. Well, Christianity is inherently harsh and religious. And so this is what we need to guard against. It leaves you confused. That's loveless power. Powerless love does something different. It leaves you dry, it leaves you empty, it leaves you lifeless, and it leaves you passionless. And I know that in any room that there are people that in any church, in any room, in any conference, there are people that could say, hey, that's me. i am experienced that, that dryness. That's what's happening right now. And powerless love, it's Christian charades. We're going through the motions, but we're not connecting. The heart is not connected. It's like a water pump to a dry well. You can pump that sucker as much as you want, but you are never going to get something out of it. There is no connection. These are two things that the Apostle Paul is speaking about. Now, I've done a series of weddings, and in my time as a pastor, I've got a great wedding coming up of two of our own in a couple of weeks. Uh, Ben and Sierra, very excited for them. Wonderful couple. We love having them as part of our church. And in every single wedding that I've done so far, this could be a different one, but in every single one, I've shared from 1 Corinthians 13, and I think it's appropriate, absolutely appropriate. Here's one thing that I want to point out to you. 1 Corinthians 12 is about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14 is about spiritual gifts, things of the spirit, uh, the abilities, the things that we talk about, miracles, prophecy, all of these to bring new life, to bring resurrection life, to recreate life. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, what's right in the middle? Love. And here is what Paul is redirecting on either side of anything time that you do anything spiritual it's an impossibility to do something for jesus without love not just our love the love of jesus it's an impossibility okay we can try this is where we get powerless love and loveless power it's an impossibility so this sandwich, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, right in the middle. And here is how the Apostle Paul addresses. And I'm going to read this and I'm going to let the Apostle Paul speak to us. And here are three things that I said that I think come out of this that you'll notice. The first... Is that love is the goal of every spiritual gift? If you are doing something in this church or any church and you are not doing it motivated by love and it doesn't produce love, let's go back. Let's take a step back. Why are we doing it? We don't just want to do Christian charades, we don't just want to do things out of obligation, we don't just want to go through the motions. I've grown up in church my whole life. I know uh, the different things that you could say or do, but I don't want to be a pretender. I don't want to be a pretender. So love is the goal of every spiritual gift. The second thing which we talk about in weddings, which is entirely appropriate, is love is the pinnacle of human relationships. If you want to talk about what is the ideal? If you want to talk about what is the benchmark, when we come to this, and this is why it's so important, then when people are making a marriage covenant, a covenant of love, which is an imitation of the type of relationship that God is in and wants to be in with us, that love is at the center of it. And this is powerful. And the third thing is that love is ultimately eternal and spiritual. It is ultimately eternal and spiritual. Now, I can have love. I can have different forms and versions of love. But the love that God wants me to possess is eternal love, is His love. It's spiritual love. There is a love that doesn't run out. Have you ever tried to live a life on your own love and kind of be on your best behavior? And kind of like, okay, I'm going to really do this. And you get like two or three days in. And then you just like run out of puff? No, that's just me. Okay. So let's let the Apostle Paul speak to us. And I'm going to read from this powerful passage. And uh, you can close your eyes. Hopefully you won't go to sleep. That's on me, but. uh, And uh, let's just allow these powerful words, the Word of God which has power, Just to sink into your spirit. Love is the goal of every spiritual gift. Verse number one. If I could speak in all the languages of the earth and of angels but didn't love others, I'd only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith I could move mountains but didn't love others... I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. How does the Holy Spirit want to speak to you? How does the Holy Spirit want to speak to you about your orientation, of your service, of your heart? The second, love is the pinnacle of human relationships. Love is patient, love and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. How does your current life match up? This is challenging, I know. It's supposed to be challenging. The answer is it doesn't measure up, but only to the point that it pushes us into the love of God. The last one, love is ultimately eternal and spiritual. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now, we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but when we will see everything with perfect clarity. All I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I'll know everything incompletely. Just as God now knows me completely. Wow, what a powerful thing. God knows you completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Can I get Ethan and Naomi to come back? We're going to finish very, very soon. I want to say two things. The first thing, when it comes to... The Christian life, when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to the spiritual gifts, the Apostle Paul summarized it so beautifully in this phrase. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. So two things. Are you setting your sights on living a life of love? And are you eagerly desiring like that pot that's simmering? Are you eagerly desiring the things of the Spirit? This is the model. This is the summary of this passage. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Romans chapter 5, second part. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we're going to take just a couple of minutes before we finish just to allow you to respond in this moment. And uh, I'd love everyone to stand. And if you're here and you want to respond to this invitation to follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts, you want more gifts to share more love and you want more love to share more gifts why don't you just lift your hands as a sign that you want to receive from God thank you God thank you God Lord as a church we want to hunger for the things of the spirit we want to hunger for the things of the spirit the anointing and the outpouring of God I want to pray just for a couple of more things there's anyone here and your experience or understanding has been of powerless love of powerless love you've seen a version of Christianity that could not change or impact anything if that's you just put up your hand because we want to believe that God will speak by His Spirit if you've had a version of Christianity that was Powerless love. Thank you, God. Lord, we pray for the pouring out of your Spirit. Another group of people, if you experience loveless power, if you've been in a spiritual environment without love, and that's been misused or abused, if that's you, would you put up your hand? We're going to pray that God would, that you would receive uh, healing. If that's you, just put up your hand wherever you are. I got a picture uh, yesterday as I was praying. You know those big chains, like those ship anchor chains, the really heavy ones, the really thick ones. I saw those chains wrapped around somebody and it was the power of false religion, even Christianity. This loveless power. If that's you, everyone's eyes are closed. If that's you and that you feel that, And you associate with that picture. Would you put up your hand? I'd love to pray for you because God is going to release that weight of those chains over you. If that's you, would you put your hand up in the air? Yeah, I see that. I see that hand. There might be more than one person. There might be more than one person. Jesus, we release. We see those chains coming off. Be broken with supernatural power right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's take just 30 seconds just to invite the presence of the Holy Spirit here. Holy Spirit, you're in this place. We ask for your filling in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus says, Blessed are those that hunger and thirst. Do you hunger and thirst? Do you hunger and thirst? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, let us be a church that is hungry and thirsty. We don't want to just go through the motions, we don't want to get through. But we thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We're going to take just this last thing, just to pray for Adriana's mother. Um, she's in Colombia and she has uh, she's in her 90s. She has a medical condition. And, uh, you know, with COVID around, it's even more uh, tricky and dangerous for her. So, Lord, we just thank you for Adriana's mom. Lord, we even now as we're praying, we just see a miracle for good care, Lord, for the intervention the power of the Holy Spirit and Lord for her to get through and survive uh, this condition and we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.